Imagine this. It is the year 2100. And in 2100, the air pollution is so bad, you need to stay indoors for an additional 142 days per year to avoid additional health risks. That's not science fiction. That is information in a brand new study from the University of Waterloo that found air quality alerts are going to quadruple by the year 2100. And so you think, ugh, that's 76 years from now. Who cares? This is our children's future and our grandchildren's future. And we're talking about them living a huge amount of their life indoors protected from the air here to join us to talk more about this and what we can do is the senior author of the study rebecca sari assistant professor in civil and environmental engineering from waterloo thank you so much for joining us rebecca thanks for having me so this is the first thing i read this morning when i woke up my eyes popped open and this is the stat i read that according to researchers from the university of waterloo that would be you uh we will stay indoors in an additional 142 days per year to avoid health risks from air pollution by the year 2100. So using that as our starting point, tell me a little bit about this research and how we got to those numbers. Absolutely, Sarah. Well, I'll start off by saying we don't think it's a great idea for people to stay indoors an extra 142 days per year. What we found is that that's what people would have to do to protect themselves from the intensifying risks of air pollution if we don't reduce emissions to fight climate change. So our goal of this study is, you know, a lot of our work has been focusing on what are the benefits of reducing emissions, but now we're turning the coin and asking, well, what if we don't? What if we don't reduce emissions? Two things are going to happen, okay? Air pollution is going to get worse. So either the health risks associated with air pollution, which are myriad, including uh, about 15,000 premature deaths every year in Canada, over $120 billion in economic damages every year in Canada from air pollution. So either those risks, those damages are going to go up or adaptation will go up. People Mm -hmm. will do more to protect themselves. And the way that we advise people to protect themselves is by limiting their time outside. So that means spending more time indoors. I will tell you the saddest memory I have of last summer, and that is my teenage son plays baseball, and a team from Edmonton had traveled to Calgary, so a couple-hour ride down the highway, and the air was so bad, we were at a 10-plus on the air quality scale. They sat in the diamond and kind of rolled a ball back and forth from one dugout to the other, hoping that this was going to improve. Now, it didn't improve. It took days to improve. And so to see young people wanting to be outside, wanting to play a sport and be forced to sit in the dugout was heartbreaking to me because I thought this is a glimpse into our future if we don't get our tushes in, in gear and fix this. Exactly. That's that's the message we're trying to drive home here. I mean, we're lucky in Canada that we enjoy relatively clean air. As I said, it's still a major health risk. But if we don't do anything to protect ourselves from the effects of climate change and those wildfires that drove those poor air days you were talking about are part of those climate-related risks, then we will expect to see more of this. We found it quadrupling in the United States and increasing by about a month per year Um, in the eastern U.S., and it is going to affect us here in Canada as well. And it is going to affect youth sports in particular, as you were saying. It's it's that exercising outside 
um, puts the general population most at risk. So what do we do? (laughs) I know we can talk about all the discussions that just happened around COP28 and we can talk about electric vehicles and we can talk about the small things we can do with recycling. But what do we actually do so that by the year 2100, we're not spending almost half our year inside trying to protect ourselves from bad air? Yeah, well, we absolutely have to do all the things that we promised to do across various COPs. We have to meet our Paris Climate Agreement targets. Our work has shown that if we do that, we avoid um, we avoid these additional risks, all, nearly all of them, with benefits of about $5,000 per person per year by the end of century. That is the approach that protects everybody, regardless of whether they can act to protect themselves and do act to protect themselves. Um, We also, though, need to accept the fact that we're already going to be um, facing some increasing risks. Okay, so additional risks of climate change aren't going away. So we also need to help people protect themselves. That means doing things like perhaps better communication around air quality alerts or reconsidering how we issue those, um, implementing long-term solutions like improving housing and building quality so that the indoor environment that people can access to is clean and will protect them. Because if it's not, going inside won't help. And we also need additional measures for people who can't go inside, either the 4% of people who uh, work outdoors for their job or the many people experiencing homelessness. And I wanted to talk to you more about that. Um, By the way, joining us is Rebecca Seri, Associate Professor in Civil Environmental Engineering at the University of Waterloo, uh, with a new report out today looking at air quality alerts on track to quadruple by the year 2100. The, The population experiencing homelessness or houselessness in Alberta is a major discussion right now because we had our cold snap. There was a lot of talk about available shelter spaces, if they're the right place for people who need somewhere to stay. Edmonton has a crisis basically unfolding there while they take down encampments. And so when you look at this population and you're saying the air is not going to be okay in 2100, that adds such a new level of stress onto this population that we're not even talking about that right now. We're just talking about basic shelter. And this is a new level, Rebecca, that we have to put into the conversation as well. Absolutely. It just highlights the fact that, you know, climate change is a health problem and especially a health equity problem. And um, the exposure to extreme temperatures and to air pollution levels outside are linked, both in terms of who they affect unfairly and in terms of a lot of the solutions that we can, uh, we can provide. So things like access to air that is appropriately heated and treated um, will help folks who currently have, you know, no adequate adequate resource. And, you know, when we think about a cold snap and or like a heat wave, I think it might be easier for folks to relate that as a serious health risk. But when we look at the numbers, um, air pollution is not something people can visualize as easily, but the the rates of death are are in fact still higher from air pollution. So these are two problems, climate change and air pollution, that are intimately linked, that doing things like addressing access to clean and warm and safe indoor environments will help both. It can also help uh, reduce our contributions to the problems of air pollution and climate change and help make solutions that are more fair.